where the leader was sitting. Click. Silence. Click. Silence. Click. Click. He was pulling the trigger of his nine millimeter, dry firing it. In the darkness, I couldn't see if the gun was pointed at me, but I felt a cold sensation creep across my chest. The little bastard didn't have a clip in the gun or my head would have exploded in a big red spray against the hull. No bullets in the chamber, either. Yet. And then, out of the darkness, I heard the chanting. From the cockpit, the leader called out something in this droning voice, and the other three, tall guy, Musa, and the crazy-eyed young guy, answered him. I leaned forward, trying to figure out what they were saying. It was obviously some kind of religious ceremony, like a Latin Catholic mass back in Massachusetts when I was growing up. A few hours ago, these guys had been laughing and telling jokes and boasting how they were real Somali sailors 24-7. You could almost forget they were pirates, and I was their hostage. Now everything was different. It was like we'd gone back ten centuries, and they were asking Allah for His blessing for what they were about to do. I knew what was happening, but I didn't have to sit there and take it. What are you going to do now? Kill me? I yelled up to the leader. In the darkness I could hear him laugh. I saw the flash of his teeth, and then he coughed and spit. Then the four of them went back to the chanting. I tried to move my hands and loosen the rope, but I had to give it to Musa. He could tie a goddamn knot like nobody's business. The prayers came to an end just like that. The boat was quiet, and I could hear the splashing of the waves again. I stared into the darkness, looking to see the muzzle of an AK-47 being raised toward me. Nothing. You have a family? The voice was mocking, self-assured. He was the leader, no question. Yeah, I have a family, I said. I realized with a feeling of panic that I hadn't said my goodbyes to them. I bit down on my lip. Daughter? Son? I have a son, a daughter, and a wife. Silence. I heard some rustling up near the cockpit. Then the leader spoke again. That's too bad, he said. He was trying to rattle me, and he was doing a damn good job of it, actually. Yeah, that is too bad, I shot back. Whatever they did or said, I couldn't let them know they'd gotten to me. Musa came toward me down the aisle of the lifeboat. He took some white cotton cloth that he'd torn from a shirt and laced it through the ropes around my hands. He didn't pull them tight, just twined them around the ropes. Then he took out some parachute-type lines, one red, one white, and started lacing those through, slowly. His face was maybe a foot from mine, and I could see him concentrating hard on what he was doing. The white and red lines were looped around in this intricate pattern that he had to get exactly right. It's a weird feeling, watching yourself being prepared to die. It was like they expected me to go along with my own murder, to be a good victim and not say a word. I felt a jolt of anger shoot through me, 
These guys were not going to take me away from my family, from everything and everyone I loved. No way. When Musa was done, he walked back to the cockpit. The Somali started talking again, regular conversation this time, and they seemed to come to some kind of an agreement. I saw the leader hand his pistol to Tall Guy, who came walking down the aisle toward me. So, he'd been chosen to do the job. Tall Guy sat down behind me on the orange survival suit. For some reason, they had to be standing or sitting on something orange or red during the ritual. He checked the nine-millimeter clip, slammed it back in, and then played with the gun. It was like he was toying with me. The one I called Young Guy, the one who'd been staring at me the whole two days, smiling like a deranged maniac, came over and dragged my feet onto the exposure.